We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to preview the final 24 games of the season. In our last couple pods, we talked about kind of the approach that the Lakers may or may not take going forward with respect to how how hard you put your foot on on the gas. In the last pod, we discussed the three through eight portion of the roster and and I, I was going to say what it brings to the table and what it takes off, but it was a lot more of the what it takes off of the table. But D, in the absence of Anthony Davis, um, that three through eight is going to have to step up. And a lot of that talk revolved around the idea that they don't have a lot of size. And with the absence of Anthony Davis, that is compounded. I'm still of the belief that we need one more player to get through this stretch run. And it doesn't have to be a huge contributor or starter or anything like that, but just a bigger player that can help fill some some of those minutes but in the absence of that this is the team that we have and despite everything that's happened this season I still think we have an inside straight shot where if we get the Warriors in the first round I think we have a chance it doesn't mean that I am predicting that we win or anything but I think that we we have a chance to beat them in the playoffs and so the seventh seed I view is very important and to get there you have to be in either the seventh or eighth slot we are competing with the Clippers for that slot. They're ahead of us by a game and a half with 24 left, and they have the tiebreaker, and we play them in two of our next four games, including the first one on the way back. So in that context, D, how are you looking at both short-term in this week ahead and then both the course of this last 24? To channel a little bit of Mike here, the thing that I'm looking at up front is, like, where's LeBron's head at around the team and What's his perspective on that idea of stewarding this this ship, right? And, and what's his what's his? I don't want to say his level of of investment, but what's his level of get after it in this first week, especially? And what results does that produce? Because. Honestly, so the Lakers just had a really great win against the Jazz going into the All-Star break. And 
that could be a stepping stone sort of win. The Lakers have seemingly had several of those this year, and the stepping stone put them right back into the middle of the maze where they were searching again on what was going to come next after faltering or taking one step forward and one step back. And that's been the nature of this season. I think the team understands way better than us as guys just talking on a podcast of how much momentum can mean to their season in this final stretch. And I think that makes this first week super important. And Mike, I think LeBron's going to signal it to us about how important it actually is, right? Because if he sort of comes out and it's just like, ah, well, whatever sort of vibes I was sending over All-Star break, which we sort of discussed a little bit, and are we really looking forward to next year? Or are we looking forward to the next week? And he's going to signal that to us, I think, pretty clearly with how invested he is defensively with just his general engagement with the game. And is it going to look like, hey, I can go out and get 27, 8 and 8 in my sleep and be done with it? Or is it going to be like, let's lock in? Because if it's let's lock in, Pete, I think you're right. They have enough to compete night to night and playing to a certain level of like give a damn is going to give them a chance against almost every team. And then hopefully LeBron and Russ to a certain extent can close out some of these games. So Mike, I know I didn't even really answer Pete's question because it's more about where LeBron is, but that's a great unknown to me. And so what I'm looking for is like LeBron's leadership because that's what's most important here. I would think that especially early on in these first couple of games coming out of the break that we will see that kind of good play and leadership and attentiveness for LeBron and especially just with all of the various reports swirling and you know there's another one today and like I I think that that LeBron typically answers that on the court you know and like we'll see what happens as the season goes on there's just a it's what Pete had alluded to with needing one more t- body uh, in the front court and all that. But I think just at least in the short term, I think that like against the Clippers, I think you'll see LeBron come out and play pretty strong and pretty aggressively. And everybody will fall in line after that. And I find it difficult to make much of a pronouncement as to what's going to happen next week, because it just, it seems like this team has to be in such a, that proverbial day to day mode. And, and, but I know that's what we're going to do here moving forward, but I'm just focused at least first Pete on that, on that game against the Clippers. And I do think that we'll see LeBron come out strong and, and at least start this, this second half with that typical energy that they played with in the final two games before the break. That's my expectation as well with respect to LeBron's approach. I think that if there is going to be a certain degree of pack it in, this ain't our season, it's not going to be until later. And they had just started, it's funny with all of the quotes that were taken from LeBron's media availability at All-Star break, one of the things that he talked about at decent length was that the team had started to play better and get a certain degree of connectivity where normally going into an All-Star break that you're like, okay, great, we've got something to build off of. But when it's so shallow, when it's that one step forward, one step back that D was talking about, and then you've got nine days to write every column you possibly can to get as many clicks as you can out of it, it kind of, I think, puts the fan base's mental state maybe in a different place than where the team is. And the All-Star break is a place for everybody to get refreshed and to get ready for that last final run. And we've seen so many LeBron teams over the years go 
really go on a run at this portion of the season. Now, what that looks like, though, with this team, with this with this group is really going to be determined, I think, by the personnel and and how we approach being a small team. D, this isn't the first time we've been without Anthony Davis. And we talked a little bit in a couple of pods ago on what that looks like. But in the absence of that extra body against a team like the Clippers, I think, and and really going forward, every game has to have its own kind of day-to-day, this is our playoff game against the Clippers. And then tomorrow's our playoff game against, or Sunday is our playoff game against the Pelicans. And then our playoff game against the Dallas Mavericks and so forth. And so there is a contouring of your game plan that is more severe in the playoffs than it is in that day-to-day getting through the regular season. So let's talk the clip, talk about the Clippers first. We're a small team. They really have looked to target Malik Monk in the games that we've played. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein has given us some issues as a backup five. Talk to me about that matchup in particular, because if we're going to get to that seventh spot, we got two games against the Clippers in these next four days. They're without Kawhi and Paul George. I know they've been playing well, but the idea that we can't beat them and that we can't take both of them is actually kind of offensive to me. And I think if we can't, it's indicative of bigger problems. Uh, So talk to me about that matchup, because I think really a big part of where we're going to end up is going to be determined over these next four games. Well, I think any Clippers specific game plan is going to center around like, how do you manage the pick and roll with Reggie Jackson? And how much do you accommodate for Malik Monk? One of the things that the Clippers have done very well, especially with their pick and roll game is at least when they had Ibaka. So Ibaka has been traded. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what this looks like after him, because both Hartenstein and Zubats are similar players in terms of how they screen and dive rather than screening and popping. But the Lakers have typically played against bigger players like that. Like they go over the top of screens, right? Because they don't want Jackson walking into three pointers And then they play sort of at or a little bit below the level of the ball and drop coverages. And they've been getting killed in that action. Like Zubats has been going to the rim. And if they're late peel off switches, he's been punishing the team on the offensive glass. And Hartenstein is very good at sort of operating in that short roll area where he can shoot floaters or he has enough craft in that sort of restricted area like charge circle area to sort of like say oh well now let me drop step into a jump hook or let me one dribble and go up for a layup or he can even be a lob threat on dunks at times I think it's more about like okay well how are we going to play the pick and roll against and all the various coverages and that to me is where the Lakers game plan is going to live and die almost every night defensively against almost every team Anthony Davis is the ultimate pick and roll defender. He can play and drop. He can play at the level of the ball. He can hedge and recover. He can shock the coverage and he can switch outright. And there's no other player on the Lakers team that can do that as effectively as Anthony Davis, not even LeBron James. I'd love to take a break here and go into the other side of this, because honestly, while you're talking about very team specific game plans, it still goes back to what the Lakers can and can't do themselves from a personnel standpoint. So I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on like how important is that aspect of their defense and how do they manage that almost universally against most opponents? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So talk to me here, guys, about where the team is defensively and what this sort of looks like for you guys. The headline for me in this game, it's a little bit different personnel-wise from the most recent game. And, of course, Anthony Davis had a huge game in that narrow loss. LeBron didn't play, and neither did Zubats. And so AD went for 30-17. and 17. He had his typical two blocks and two steals. And I think now, so without AD's presence in there, and Ibaka also just had his best game in like five years, which was ridiculous. Like Ibaka was nine for 15. He had 20 and eight. That was, you know, I'm sure quite annoying for Lakers fans watching that game. He's gone. But Zubat presents that a difficult kind of challenge to me, Pete, where, you know, LeBron at center on Zubats is a little bit different from most guys in the league, even like Zoo is just bigger and he's always going to be right next to the rim. He's always going to be going for offensive rebounds. And I wonder, especially coming out of a break where you do have some time, if you're the coaching staff, is that the game where they say, all right, Dwight's rested. Let's try and kill some of those minutes to start um, on Zubats. Or do we just stick with LeBron and, and sort of try to hit the Clippers in other directions on the other end of the floor? And I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm guessing I know what you would do, Pete, but I, I, I do think this is a... This is a tricky one without AD and, and with what Ty Lue might go to with not just, you know, not just Zubats, but Terrence Mann is starting now. He didn't start last game. He's going to be attacking the rim. So I think I think Ty Lue is well aware that Anthony Davis isn't going to be in the game. And I'm, I'm just curious how the game plan works out in that sense. So certainly not having AD, that's that's a bad thing. Like, no duh, right? The Clippers are vulnerable to big athletes. There are a few teams that fit this description. Phoenix, a team as good as, as Phoenix, is also vulnerable to this type of player. And so AD, I thought in that game in particular, was 
really understood the advantage that he had and not just the 30 points, but the 17 boards. He was just dominating on the inside. And the only reason we were in that game really, or the, at least the biggest reason we were in that game toward the end and in the absence of him, certainly there, it poses some questions that said, I really, <laughs> I really hope we lean into and commit to being a small team. We have struggled with our identity all season long. And that idea of, oh, maybe we should go to Dwight with Zoo on the other end of the floor. I understand the temptation of that, but it's the exact opposite thing of what we should be doing. D, there's a reason why slow-footed fives have get played off of the court as games get more intense and as the levels of the playoffs get higher and higher. And again, I see us in playoff mode coming out of the break. We should be running Zoo off of the floor. We should be spacing the floor. And now that Again, that goes into personnel, right? You got to have five guys on the court that actually care if you're going to shoot a three or not. And Lord knows we've we've covered that. But when Zoo's in the game, I'm very much of the perspective that you got to be spreading them out. That's part of the reason why I think Melo should start. Because if who does Zoo guard if you've got Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James at the four and five? Uh, Melo's not going to start, though. I, I, don't, I don't think Melo wants to start. No, I, I, I know that. And that's, to, but, and that's to our detriment. But you could, but you could take, you could have Stanley Johnson or LeBron do what they did to Gobert and just bring him out, even in that sense, and have and attack him off the dribble and have him switched over to LeBron or, or Johnson. Even no, you can. I, I don't think that that's as effective against Zoo as it is against Gobert. I think Zoo's a better, not just that Zoo's a better defender, but one of the problems with Utah is that when you pull Gobert away, and you've spoken to this many times, Mike, it's the other guys can't cover for him. Whereas with the Clippers, they have more capable defenders, right? That if you pull Zoo out or if you get him in that ball screen action, there are other guys that can cover for that. And then the starting of Terrence Mann. Now, mind you, Ty Lue, one of the reasons why they're, they have a better record than, that, than us is that Ty Lue adjusts his game plan and his lineups quite frequently to the opponents that he have. That's why they've beaten teams over the course of the season. And so like if Terrence Mann starts against us, that's an advantage in that we can pull some attention off of him, right? He's a good player. He's a developing player, but that in terms of as an offensive threat, one of the things you need to do D when you're a smaller team is swarm. If you've got to, if you're going to be small, you got to be able to swarm. And that involves pulling attention off of certain players, especially on the perimeter, the way that teams do with Stanley Johnson. And so that's kind of where I'm at is that we need to be running teams off of the floor. That's honestly what I think we need to be doing for most of, of the year. But we, since we are small, we need to lean into being small. It's really our only chance. Sure. Good luck. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I'm just saying good luck. Like one of the things that you had mentioned earlier about playoff specific game plans. I hear that. Important. Let's adjust. The other part of like, of like, here's our playoff game against the Mavs or here's our playoff game against the Clippers is that requires a certain amount of intensity and investment. And that's what I was talking about in terms of LeBron is, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can ask these guys to run around and do all that. And, but night after night after night, the ask is going to, the ask is going to be more. It, it like, is going to be more. Is. It's the last 24 games and it we're the is. ninth seed. And they've I, taken off so many nights where they've just kind of sort of played off, against they've, Portland. They've like, taken I, off so many nights because that's in their nature. Pete. Yeah, it is. It is over the course of 82. But teams after the All-Star break, veteran teams especially – Turn it up a notch. That's part of the whole of the marathon. There's a point of the marathon where you you turn it up a little bit. And this is usually where that happens. And these guys are going to try and run a marathon and they lost a shoe. I'm just 
putting it plainly. Like they're like, okay, well now we've taken off one of your great Nike running shoes and, and here, and here's a Timbaland go run. Yeah. So, and, so and I'm run, asking run, them run to finish those. And I'm asking them to finish ahead of another marathon runner that lost both their shoes. Sure. And, and that, and that, and that dude is just like, okay, well, I've been running barefoot now for like a few miles. Like I feel this, like Did I'm I? good. <laughs> I know what this feels like. And, yeah. and look, I'm we sure until the this, blisters come. Yeah. We we can keep this analogy going. My sense well, is though. Did I send you guys the meme of uh like Cole Anthony's Timberlands like stuck in yes. cement in the exit? Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> oh man, that one killed me. All right, back to you. <laughs> so all I'm saying is, is I understand what the team needs to do. And I don't want to frame your comments as as this, Pete, but like I have pie in the sky ideals about what I'd love for the team to be doing. What I'm also looking at is, is what is this first week actually going to provide? What are, who are the people who are coaching the team? What is their inclination? And, and like, they're not going to say, I, I do not envision a scenario where Dwight Howard doesn't play at all. And the Lakers are basically saying, all right, well, our big men are LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, and Stanley Johnson. I mean, we've done it before. Even when AD was up. Well, here, let me, let me see if I can, I can try to bridge a little bit here. Sure. So if, I mean, Pete, the one thing you have acknowledged is defensively with AD out, you would still like to see some minutes with Dwight as a reserve, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I can, I can, that one I can get where you start out small. That is your identity. That's where you're going to start most nights. And you don't do the whole, we're worried about this guy beating us up inside. Like just acknowledge that's going to happen, but let's get him on the other end. You know, let's work on the rotation. I, I can kind of get all of that, that side of it. And I, I also think that that might be easier to maintain over a stretch of 20 plus games than it is for this type of team to just pick the certain nights where, Okay, let's start. Let's throw Dwight out there to start. Uh, it's just that that's what we've seen in the past, and I'm I know that Vogel hasn't just been chilling on a beach, you know, in Mexico or something during the break. I'm sure he's been trying his best to to think about all these things, big picture. So well, if he has, there's been a grease board right next to him, Mike. He like yeah, <laughs> right. He's he's been diagramming X's and O's still. But I also kind of I'm also with Darius in the sense of this this team has sort of shown us that they're not going to be, you know, I, I don't think we can just expect them to be in playoff mode every night, uh, even if they, sh- even if they should be for this, for these 20 plus games. So then what is the way schematically to address that? And, and that's where, that's where the conflict comes where I don't necessarily see what the answer is, but if, if I had to pick, it would be, all right, well, here's, here's the style that we're going to try to play with based on what we think the personnel is going to be. And it's going to be a somewhat regular rotation with with LeBron starting at the five. And that's just what we're going to we're going to try to do. And the one thing that it allows LeBron to do, even though he has to do a little bit more on defense in some senses, is that the way that that's going to work on offense is going to be it's going to be really easy for him to score. And that's remembering again to that stretch of games without Anthony Davis with the open paint for the whole game. It's so easy for LeBron. Because he'll pull whoever it is out. And and without that additional body in there, it's like he doesn't even see the initial defender, right? So that part, I think maybe LeBron does embrace 
and he goes on this crazy numbers run. Oh, and, and sort of that's that's part of the compromise uh, in terms of what you're going to be allowing on defense at the other end. That's certainly the case. But let's take another break. When we come back, let's keep talking about being able to win while small. So, yeah, it's certainly a bigger question on the defensive end than it is on the offensive end. But being able to leverage what you are offensively, like you want to at least get the best of one world, if not of two. And part of that is personnel. And I think one of the the really key things going forward is does Avery Bradley start or not? Because I think that we need we probably need Stanley in there just due to size. And that's whether Mello starts or not. And I fully acknowledge that Mello starting is a figment of my imagination and very unlikely to happen. I just think that if we actually want to get the best results going forward, I think that's that's the way to go. But acknowledging that that's not the case, if he doesn't start, Stanley certainly has to start. And I think that once you start getting two, three guys on the floor where you're like, I don't really care if you shoot this open three or not. Like, I'd rather have a hand in your face, but it's not that big of a deal. Stanley's one of those guys. Russ is one of those guys. So if you're starting Stanley, you've already hit your limit. So I think that the other two players around LeBron have to have a certain degree of competency from three. Now, we covered this recently, D. That doesn't leave a whole lot of players left on the roster. That gives you Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Carmelo Anthony, and is that it? Yes. I was already going to say that. Then you've already told me who's starting. I mean, you could say you could argue Trevor Ariza, but yeah, he no, hasn't shot the ball you well, You actually right? can't like, argue Trevor <laughs> Not this Ariza. year, right. The, no, the theory of Trevor Ariza, yes. Yeah, yeah, no. Like, I mean, the thing is, is, is that playing small also means, to a certain extent, playing fast. Yeah. Some of the small ball lineups that the Lakers play aren't actually small. They're... I like I mean they're small but they're they're actually more suited to playing a big man style because they're slow. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is where it gets tricky. And who you start and the style of play and this is stuff that we didn't get into in terms of the weeds of like the 3 through 8 but the discrepancies between what the players are good at in in those fields like there's a big range of guys, right? And and so like none of us included Avery Bradley, for example, in that three through eight spot, but Bradley and Ariza are from a different era. Yep. They're from a different style. And that's not to say they can't be useful NBA players. They well, they can, but the the way that they're useful is very similar to the ways in which, like, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, in a more narrower view of ways that you might want to optimize Stanley Johnson and Malik Monk, right? And so it's just like, choose your lane. And yes. in choosing your lane, it gets trickier. I think that we're starting to kind of like narrow in on, this isn't a small ball team, but it's a small team with small ball units. And in our current construction, I think that the place to land on is, we've got these older players like Dwight probably needs to play with AD out. Ariza is probably going to have to get minutes, right? You, Avery Bradley, that idea of the, being kind of these older style players, I think you can create an, an kind of an OG unit out of that, right? Like that 
that second unit when Dwight is on the floor, maybe that's when you have Ariza next to him instead of Melo, right? Because Ariza is a better player, defensive player than Melo is at this point. You've got Avery Bradley, right? Like it's more a matter of having synergy in the guys that you have on the floor rather than having like this type of player. Because I think Darius is really onto something with that idea of there being this like older players, right? Like that don't fit this new fast switching style. But if we have units that do that, I think we can go somewhere. Well, here, so here's one. This is a bit of a non sequitur, but one concern, I think, with this small ball, with this specific group of personnel, is that is there enough shooting for that small ball group yeah. to really be that effective? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be small and you've got, you know, Stanley and Russ, just as two of the guys out there, that it, it's a, you alluded to this a little bit before, Pete, but defenses can still pack it into the paint. And, mm-hmm. and sure, LeBron can still get there because he's LeBron. But that's one that's one thing I, I would have to think the coaches are sitting there kind of thinking, well, all right, we could commit fully to small ball. But then but we're not seeing so, some of the benefits of a typical small ball because of that total sum of what the shooting is. That's one of the reasons, Mike, and this can't solve it completely but that's one of the reasons i've been so adamant about turning up the speed and pace because i think we can put lineups out there that are faster than opponents right like if i've got russ and stanley on the floor i know i can be faster than i can build a a lineup that's faster than the other team but when things get set in that half court uh space mike's absolutely right d that if it's russ and stanley on the floor you start running into issues very quickly yeah and so look i've got two ideas to start i know i just totally disregarded the idea of Trevor Ariza starting, but here's two ideas. One, so I don't think Stanley and Avery Bradley can start together. That's one or the other. It's one or the other. Okay. And I choose Stanley. The Lakers need his size. They need his athleticism. They, they, they just need what he brings and they need that in the starting lineup. If you're going to play small, if you're not going to play small and you're going to play bigger, I don't think you can actually start Stanley because you've got Dwight Howard in the game and now, right. And, and so there's this round Robin effect, right? So if you're playing big, you can't start Stanley. Sorry, Stanley. Like then maybe you can start Avery and whatever, but only one of those guys can start. If the team's going to play small, LeBron, Stanley, Russ, you're there. Monk has to start. The Lakers need his offense. That leaves the fifth starter. To me, it's a choice between Trevor Ariza and Austin Reeves. So if you play Austin, then everyone's fast to a certain extent. Everyone can handle. Everyone is move around the floor, do a bunch of different shit. Like we're making it happen. That's the making it happen group. Yep. Trevor Ariza is your Mark Gasol. He is your slow dude. He is your spacer. He is your connective player. He is the dude that's not going to run every single time, but he can. He's the dude who's going to sit in the corner and take the spot up and take the spot up three. He's going to rotate defensively. He's the responsible adult that is basically okay. While everyone else runs around like their hair is on fire, I'm going to be in the right place and I'll meet you there. Right. Like you don't need all five guys. Yes. To be not that. everyone needs to be right. like, oh, scramble mode. My goodness. Like it's the raid. Right. Like w- we're getting after it. Not everyone has to be that. You can have one guy who is like, oh, I can do that on a possession. I can mm-hmm. write or two. But so to me, those are the options. If you start Ariza, that gives you more size on the front court. It allows you to deploy Stanley as Go guard the team's other, like, best other dude. If you start Austin, 
that responsibility then sort of slides to like Russ a little bit more, like where Russ is going to have to guard a wing. If you have Ariza, like Ariza's the between guy for like LeBron and Stanley in the way that like I've always talked about slotting to find a between guy between LeBron and AD. It's sort of just like, okay, well, who can you guard? And on some possessions, Ariza, that might mean like, hey, you have to guard a big dude who might punish you some because we want to save LeBron from that. Or it may be, hey, Ariza, you have to go guard a bit more like athletic wing than what we want you to guard. Like, but there are no good solutions here, sure. right? Like there are too many holes. And, and so you're trying to find some semblance of synergy between these, these groups. And I think a go get after it group with Austin, I love that idea, right? Or a, all right, uh, Trevor, you're going to be more of a stabilizing guy and allow us to play three forward sized dudes at the same, same time. Because once you take that forward sized dude off the court, you're dealing with another guard. And at that point, I think the Lakers are super small, like super small without having the benefits even of like, yeah, there's no one who has ultra gravity on in that group. There's just not. And so you're still sort of like, hey, our snipers are Austin Reeves and Malik Monk. Like, they're good, and they're going to be paid attention to, but it gets tricky. So my two concerns with those lineups, I agree with you that Monk has to play, especially in AD's absence. There's a certain amount of scoring that you need to pick up that uh, LeBron could certainly use a partner. And that plays into that get-after-it type of group. But now you've got Russ, Malik. Let's say you start Austin, and then Stanley. Is sure. that your other start? Yeah. Look, and then LeBron. That's a tiny starting small. lineup. Yeah, they're that's super a tiny, small. Like to the point where, yeah, you're going to win your transition possessions, but even at their be- best, I think this team could get up to 25% transition opportunities, which it would be just off the charts high. That still leaves you 75% having to deal work in the half court. And especially defensively. I think that if you're a small team, it's important that a group of guys can't go through you. So as, as much as I'm on board with the start Austin campaign, I don't think you can start Malik and Austin, right? Just as you were saying with Avery and Stanley. The problem with Trevor is that he's just not good anymore. Like we can get wrapped up in certain archetypes where, yeah, the six eight defensive forward, that's the responsible adult. I think with Trevor, he's a guy that if we had AD and Melo healthy, he wouldn't be playing at all. And so the goal ultimately is to like, limited his minutes to 10, 12 a game. And those are kind of your survival groups. And that's part of why I think those second units where Dwight is on the floor, I think you could put a pretty good defensive group of responsible adults that plays kind of old school basketball with Avery, Trevor, Dwight. And you got to have a couple guys offensively on the floor. So then it would have to be probably, I'm talking a bench unit now, Malik would have to be in that group or Austin. You'd have to have guards in that group that can create. And again, we talked about, Frank started going away from having Russ and LeBron in it all and giving more touches to THT, more touches, you know. So anyway, I think that we can have a group where we those guys play off the bench. I just think that limiting Trevor's minutes are super important. But this is the big reason. All of this, argue, the last like 10 minutes of discussion of well, what about this and what about that and kind of running into all of these obstacles where I'm like, Melo is the guy that, bridges both ideas for me, Mike. And again, I know this may be just fantasy in my head, but he can shoot. 
he can he has a certain degree of size that I think with your starting group, especially you can't go below a certain amount of size with the starters. You can go really small with bench groups. But again, just against starting groups around the league, I think they go through you in a way that you can't really protect against. Yeah, this is one of those this things where I've just consistently heard the same thing all year from all sides that about Melo starting. So it's, you know, it's uh, the theoretical makes sense to me. It just seems like in practice, that's I've not heard that that's something that's on the table. But hey, maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe they got together over the All-Star break. I'm just saying like when you talk it out, the well, what if we start Austin? Well, what if we start Trevor? I feel like every other option runs into some very like, ooh, that's rough. And not saying that starting Mello is I mean, some panacea yeah, that covers I, everything, right? Yeah. I just think that Especially we're in that time of year, Mike, where... Defensively, though, I don't think Mello ends up... I don't think that ends up helping you as much as that much either. Like, I don't think that size is is significant in that in that sense, because you're... Especially against starting opponents. This is where I start to separate the player from the skill set, because... Mello on any given night is totally exactly what the Lakers need in their starting lineup. He has the right size. He has the right skill set and and all of that. There was a stretch earlier in the year where AD was out and then maybe even when LeBron was out where Mello's minutes, they exploded. And he started playing more minutes, more minutes. And suddenly it was like, oh, you're playing 28 minutes tonight. Oh, you're at 30 minutes or 32 yeah, minutes. That starting him puts him in that scenario where he's almost certain to be a four-shift player at that point. It's almost impossible to be a four-shift player and play under 24 minutes a night. It's almost impossible. I, I don't think that's the case. I think you could start and play the first six minutes and come in and that, at that either six-minute mark, which would give you 24, or, or that four-minute mark. I think you end, up sitting for, you end up sitting for long stretches and then... At the closing portion of the game, it's very likely you will be extended. That last shift is going to be extended. Like you have to be so disciplined with the lineup in terms of like, no, 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 no. Almost like you're on a minutes restriction with this guy in order to keep him below that. And I don't think. Which is especially hard with Melo, a rhythm player, right? Who may hit two threes in a row. And then Frank's like, I'll keep him. At, yeah. So I, I agree. I, I don't think you can do it. To me. That's the part that's difficult. You seem skeptical, Pete. Please explain. I mean, so it's but what are the alternatives? Trevor Ariza? Trevor the alternative, play. look, man, Mel can still play. Look, this is where no, but that's the thing though. Is like I understand it's the best of, or it's it's we're talking of several not ideal options. No, it's not even like, about the not ideal options. Of, it's it's mm -hmm. it's that this is where this is where the limitations of the team just are. This is where they are. I'm not asking about like a global question. Is is Carmelo Anthony a better player than Trevor Ariza? Yes, of course. They're of, both on the team. Oh, my God. Of course he is. What, like, uh -huh. this isn't an argument about who is better, what's best for the team, who is going to, who is, who puts the player in, who, which player puts the team in, in the best position to win. I'm not questioning any, any of that. I'm talking about the practicality of what the ask is. That, that's what I'm asking. And to me, you get to a certain point where the drop off is inevitable. And these are the limitations of, of what the team is. It's why when we started this conversation and I asked about what's LeBron's investment going to be, no one sees it better than him. And so do I expect the next week to be fine? Sure, to a certain extent, I do. But I also see LeBron at some point being like, what is this? Well, this isn't a good enough team. It's not.
It's not a good enough team at this point. But the question is not whether or not this is a good enough team. The, the topic was, what do we do? Who do we start? Like, how do we address the problem? Like, just be like, oh, the boat's sinking. Well, okay, no, no. The, so the player for me, though, I don't think I just don't think Carmelo is the answer to all that. I think if there's a player we haven't talked about a lot that I think could play more and do some of these things, even though he's smaller, it would be THT. And OK, that's yeah, that's and, fair. And yeah. he's, to me, he's got to be the guy he's got. He's got the motor. He's got the athleticism. I, he's going to make mistakes defensively, sure, but he's going to battle. He's got long arms. Like he, he to me, even though it's it's another difficult ask for Tht, based on like here, do some more things that you haven't done that much in your career. But he at least has the the physical tools and the want to do some of that. So I say more Tht. I love it. One one of the other things that Tht can do too, Pete. And Mike, and I like this idea of just from a theory stand, standpoint, um, a little bit more than saying, like, let's extend mellow, because that's where I see mellow. And, and that's I not what it, I'm asking. No, though. no, that, that's no. something that you've said. That, no, what I've said. No, you we have said, a substitution. You no, said, we, no, what we've had a substitution pattern where he come where we sub out at, at ideally the seven minute mark, but no later than the first than the six minute mark. And so I'm not saying play mellow 30 minutes a game. I there is a way to start mellow and play him 24 minutes or less per game. And I don't th- I think that is a superior option in terms of the asks and being unreasonable than asking Trevor Ariza to guard hey, starting hey, wait, caliber how players. How we get back I, on the mellow Ariza thing? We're, what about my THT? No, no, no. I'm just saying, I just want my point. I just I'm want my point. I'm going to get the THT in, in a second. I just want to say, Pete, you're talking about threading such a fine needle to make us to make a single point. And, and in, in, in practice, I'm just saying it's, it's going to be difficult to say let's keep his minutes down and start him. All all I'm saying is that's really hard. And if it's it, it's less hard than start Trevor Re- expecting Trevor Ariza to give us to play against starting caliber players. I'm, I'm so let's talk about yeah, THT. I'm not no, no. I'm not expecting either. Right. And so that's why like THT So let's talk hey, about let's so, talk about THT. So let's talk about THT. We're running long here and so I just want to say one thing about THT is that the thing that I do like about this idea is the idea of him him absorbing some usage because what Anthony losing Anthony Davis, you lose a 25 to 30 usage level player. And while it's been clunky with LeBron, Russ and AD, I'm sorry, with LeBron, Russ and THT all on the floor at the same time, that's been clunky because they've all been sort of perimeter ball, ball handlers. I think the onus is then on LeBron to be like, Hey, Sorry, you're going to have less of the ball like to start and in the middle of possessions in order to give touches to these other guys. And you're going to have to like screen more and roll more. And then maybe you'll be in the post a little bit more like you'll be a D you'll be the AD guy. And then when THT is off the floor, LeBron will absorb more ball handling usage. That'd be the bridge there that I think that's my THT idea build building on what Mike said. And I think you have a lot of more defensive uh, weapons and options at that point too. He is that short and stocky defender, Mike, where he can switch on to guys and hold his own much more than a lot of our other uh, smaller players. That's one of my concerns with starting Austin alongside Malik, alongside Stanley's guys can go through you. THC is a much harder guy to go through. So Mike, THT starts for AD. And again, his lack of outside shooting is kind of mitigated by the fact that you're losing AD, whose lack of outside shooting was problematic as well, right? So it's, you're not, you don't have 
necessarily four bad shooters on the floor at the same time. So what is your starting five then if THT is in that mix? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to refuse to answer your question. I just am the whole starting five and what the bench rotation is. I'm a little bit less concerned about that whole picture uh, than just who which guys are going to be playing more. And that was the part that I meant about THT. But if you have to figure out some way to some way to have this work in the starting lineup, I'm still starting Stanley and LeBron. Obviously, Russ is going to start. And then, I, I, yeah, I guess I would go Monk because I don't think that Reeves is going to start um, over Monk. And so, therefore, you're Russ, THT, uh, Stanley, LeBron, and Monk. And it's a small team. It's I don't love the lineup. And I, I don't think that's what they'll end up going to. I'm just – that's why I said that you can still start Ariza as a token uh, in that sense. But the guy that's got to come in and play a lot more um, is THT for me. If THT starts, I would in the fourth slot, I would probably start Austin over Monk. I would probably start Austin. I, so I would start Austin just in general, but I just don't I don't think they're going to go to that. I think that's been something that you know. I don't think they would either, yeah. like in the same way that Mello is sort of off the table. I would bet that Austin is off the table as well, but I would start Austin. I would start. You know who they're going to start? They're going to start Avery Bradley. Of guys. course who they would. Kidding? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yes. Sure. That's a good place to end. We'll talk about yeah, that. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. <laughs> We'll catch y'all. Hey, we're going to take a long a long weekend. Uh, no pod tomorrow. This is going to be a short week, uh, just three pods. We'll be back full swing, five pods a week. Nice arguing with, the, with y'all, debating with y'all. We'll be back on Monday. Let's get two wins this weekend. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Bryant. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.